Yeah. Welcome back to Herald Review Outside the Box Podcast. I'm sports reporter Joey Wagner with sports editor Justin Kahn. And we came to Moroa. We're here in Josh Josephs' office, head football coach, coming off back-to-back state championship game appearances. Josh, you're preparing for a very big game this Friday against Williamsville. How Just how big of a game is this? We see signs through town and through the school. and uh, It's obviously a big game. Uh, the Sangamo Championship has been decided between uh, the, this game, uh, the last two years that we've been in it. They've uh, uh, whipped us twice, so uh, it's a big game. That being said, we've lost it twice. Uh, it's a week had been a week three game. It's a week four game now. Uh, it's not like if we win that, that uh, it's a great thing, or if we lose that it necessarily is a bad thing. But we look forward to the competition. You guys, you know, it's funny because Williamsville. You guys had some good clashes with them in the playoffs during this last uh, few, 10, 12, 15 years that you guys have been on this run here. And and I remember one uh, at Williamsville where you guys had a really good team that year and. and uh, it was a tight one, but you guys were able to pull it out. Do you remember what I'm talking about? I do. That would have been uh, Gary Scott's senior year, yeah. so 2010. Uh, yeah, and, and it was a tough yeah. one. Stells Reedy, quarterback. Joey Hockaday was a wide receiver. Uh, we felt like we left some points. We had two touchdowns called back. We did win that one, 14-7, to but uh, yeah. had a couple touchdowns called back, one right before the half that I think would have been momentum swears. So we felt in control of the game, but still a one-touchdown ball game. Uh, we also played him in 06 uh, in, the, in the second round and uh, probably the best team that we've ever uh, had. And Aaron definitely says it's the best team that he's ever played against uh, with them. And we had some success uh, that day, ended up with a nonstop clock uh, in the first half. So uh, that was a big one. You know, it's it's been so. so this is your is this your third year in the Sangamo now? Uh, this this is our third this season. Is your third right season now. in yep. the Sangamo. You know how is it? How has that been different for you? I mean, obviously you've had you know a few couple conference changes here in the last you know eight nine years here, but I mean that that was a big change from what you guys had done before. What, what was that like as a coaching staff? Uh, it's different. I mean, it still is. Uh, I really enjoy the coaching staffs and the football programs in the Sangamo, but it is really different. I mean, our kids could name every kid on St. Teresa's roster. We probably couldn't name five kids on Williamsville's roster, and that hasn't really changed. I mean, unless they have a kid that is a two- or three-year standout like the Olasav kid, you know, uh, for them. Our kids will have heard of him because he started for four years. So, you know, uh, we we hear the same name year after year. But their kids that are juniors and seniors, I mean, we if they only play the one or, or two years, it's not that natural rivalry because we don't start playing in fifth grade like we do everybody else around here. So that part has been a little bit of an adjustment. Um, you know, when we first came into the league, we kind of treated every game like a playoff game. We'd never been to these facilities. We haven't done. Now our kids have seen that. They know what the locker room situation is, what the fields are, are going to be. All that uh, is familiar now. But as far as the names, I mean, we don't read the Springfield paper. I'm sure they don't read the Decatur paper. You know, those, those kind of things are um, a little more difficult than it was when we were centrally located. Is there, you know, and I know there had been, there's always, it seems like, talk about changing the playoff structure and, and, and things like that. I mean, as far as you're concerned, would you like to be back and playing, uh, you know, making county teams again? Uh, like I said, I'm on the football advisory board, too, so it's a great question. I mean, that's all we've done, and they're three-year terms. I'm, this is my third year now, and uh, it's been the same question every time. I really feel like districts is the way that you end conference realignment. I think that's the only way that it ever is ever going to end conference realignment, and unless 
uh, the voting members, which is all the schools in the IHSA, vote that in, it's not going to happen. I think there are people that are probably still happy with the way their schedules work. Until you go through a conference change, you don't think about it. I would have told you 10 years ago that Elkhaw was the best conference in the, in the uh, small state, uh, downstate area and that would never change and you saw how that that went uh, at that point we became you know uh, we, we started to favor districts as well it, it wasn't as accepted my old boss Scott Adrian tried to uh, run through a proposal it didn't go through it was like 30 percent then because not everybody had uh, experienced it it's up to about 50 percent uh, now um, it just takes a majority vote and it will go to a vote this year in November I can't say that I'm like 100% that it's going to pass, but I feel like it has the best chance that it's ever had to pass uh, by a majority vote here when it when it comes down to it. Um, but I think there's still a lot of people happy with their conference structure. Part I like about the districts was uh, the first two weeks don't count for anything, so you can schedule anyone you want. You know, Moroa, Rochester, uh, if, you, if you wanted to see that, you know, they come out, put it on us. I'm still zero and zero as far as the playoffs stand. I've played a really good team, uh, you know, and and that's how we would attack that. You could get your natural rivalry games if they're not in your district. So us and St. Teresa would probably end up in the same district. But if we did not end up in the same district, you know, you can make sure that that matchup's still sure. gonna Arcola, Tuscola, whoever you want want to. MacArthur Eisenhower, I'm sure, in the same district. But if they didn't end up, then that's a game they're gonna want to book. Uh, so I like that. First two games don't count, so you're not worried about scheduling a non-conference game that you're going to lose on. And if you're not in the top half of your district out of those seven games, you know you're needing to go four and three. That doesn't seem unreasonable to me. Uh, and honestly, if there were years that I'm two and five in the district and I'm not making it, it's just like now. You, yeah. you probably don't want to go to the playoffs, you know, <laughs> when when you're drawing those. So I'm a big proponent of it. Uh, it keeps us centrally located. What I feel worse about. For our people is that you know the freshman girls basketball game on a Wednesday night in Porta is it's already going to be not very well attended even if we were playing Warrensburg it's really not attended well if you're going to go travel and play Porta I feel terrible about that for our kids and I know it's football driven and uh, so that's the part that I, um, I I hate for our kids so that's the only thing I would say. It's no big deal for me on a Friday night. I'll gladly go play Williamsville or New Berlin or anybody on a Friday night. That's that's not a big deal. A little different on a Thursday night freshman game, but again, football's going to follow. Uh, those games start at 6. It's one game. We're still home at 8.30, 9 o'clock. It's not unreasonable. It's the other sports yeah. where you have the two games. you got to play a JV game. you got to play a uh, varsity game. Or like our volleyball team's at Williamsville today. It's freshman, JV, varsity. I think their bus leaves at 3 o'clock, you know, and yeah. they're going to get home at 9 o'clock tonight. If it goes three games, even later than that, 10 o'clock at night. That makes no sense to me when I could drive to St. Teresa or Clinton or Argena or Warrensburg and be there in 10 minutes, you know, sure. in four directions. And uh, so that's the part I hate. Right. Is there something that you think maybe people are just so naturally, you know, they've seen these teams over and over and over again in the conference, just the thought of blowing that up just is so foreign to them that they don't want to hear that these other arguments, is that part of this that exists? Yeah, let's be, just lay it out there. I mean, I've been kicked out of three conferences or been part of three conferences. It is it is strictly about playoff wins in football. Yeah. It doesn't yes. have to do with anything else. 
travel, expenses, nothing else. The, that is it. Five wins. And I get it. I mean, it sets your school year. I mean, we haven't always been to the playoffs either. So, I mean, I've heard all those arguments. You know, you don't know what it's like to go through a fall when the, you know, football starts out bad and it sets the culture for the whole year of the school year. I'm like, I certainly do. I mean, we have not always been. I was told you a million times when I was 6-21 and 21 after three years. So I, I get it. Um, it is a lot more fun to be in our school in the fall. Our volleyball team is very good and our football team is very good. So that, you know, kids come back to school motivated. I get exactly what they're talking about. But that is the only reason why we are not still in the OCA or like I grew up in the Meridian Conference. I mean, those conferences don't exist now because you were chasing five wins. I think the district's eliminate that totally because you get two games that don't even count so you could treat those like preseason games if yeah. you wanted uh you know depends on the coach's mentality for us it would be challenge us the most we could but if you didn't choose to do that nobody's going to avoid playing Moreau or rochester or whoever so we're glad somebody will step up and play you because it's not going to hurt you you get into your districts and you've got the most centrally located schools at your size so you're not hey, Tuscola has to play Tolono Unity, yeah. unless they chose to play each other, which they probably would. You know, that staff at Tuscola is probably going to say, I want to schedule <laughs> Unity. But if they didn't, you know, that's their business. I think that's part of what hurt the old OCAWs we had got. So, I mean, when you're 600 kids at Unity yeah. and 280 at Tuscola, it's fine to play once. Like, I was hitting there for a while, St. Joe, Unity, Monticello, back to back to back. We were fine. Our goal always was to, that we want, we had to win one. We'd love to win two, and we weren't even aiming to win all three of those back to back to, to back. Make sure we don't have any season injuries that are going to allow us to play the rest of our season. And uh, so that was our thought process so those days are out you know you're not worried about you know I remember having this conversation with uh, coach Winky and then coach Reinhardt you know it's like I, I can play anybody once it's yeah. the over and over and over uh, our JV schedule you know we played SHG and MacArthur uh, and came out with wins in both of those but we're beat up when that is, you know is over and uh, it's tough to um, to play that level of competition at a school our size when those kids have to play multiple uh, times. I mean, there are same practice players on Monday. Uh, you got to bring your best effort tomorrow. We're playing Williamsville. Didn't matter that we played MacArthur, you know, uh, last night, and they have some dudes. I mean, and they do have some some dudes. So it's not the the one time uh, thing in a conference. It's when you got five schools that are all yeah. you know matched up that are bigger than you. And I'm sure some of those smaller schools like AM or Argena, they were including us in that uh, look. So they're going, I got Monticello, I have Unity. Then we have Tuscola, which is our size, but they're really good. And you have Moreau, which is our size, it's really good. And we need to win five games. Well, there's yeah. Uh, that eliminates all of our, you know, uh, you know, leeway, and uh, so I get it. I totally get it. But so I think this is the only way you can fix it. And the, and the good thing that it does, it does fix it because you will only play up if you choose to. In your district, you are playing somebody that is between 300 and 400 kids. If you're in a, you know, two A district, there's no, you know, way around it. You mentioned uh, you know your start six and twenty one in, in the first few three years there. You know what would you say to a, a coach or or an administration who's in that situation where they got a new coach and, and it's 
you know, it's it does you know it seems like it's not the winds aren't coming yet. Well, 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 I, and do you have people ask you about that? And do you I do. Advice? I've actually had some people that will call and say, hey, "I know we're not interviewing you because unless you're interested, then <laughs> then, then we are uh, interviewing you." But we would just like to go through this process with what you would be looking for, you know, and I've had a handful of schools do that and absolutely come in. And uh, the big thing that I, I tell all of them is you need young and enthusiastic because you are not getting veteran proven winner to come into those schools unless you are going to offer a lot of money and <laughs> you're in a public school, so that's not going to happen. So, uh, you, know, the, the, you know, nobody's looking to leave a good spot you know, in, in very few cases is that going to happen where you're going to take over a re, you know, uh, revamp of a program. So, first thing, I think you need young, enthusiastic. Number two, you're going to need somebody that after they get there and they're young, enthusiastic, that you let them, you know, be, be them, which Moreau absolutely did uh, with me. And um, they let me do what I thought needed to, to, to be done. And... Uh, um, that worked out, I think, on both sides, but I would be willing to bet that after three years there was somebody, you know, that was saying, I'm not sure this this is our guy, you know, and uh, my administration at the time, it was Doc Holmes, uh, Dr. Jeff Holmes, and then uh, Dana Dale uh, hired me and stuck with me and uh, could see the progress even if it wasn't showing up in wins and losses. You know, my first year when I got hired, they said, you're 25 years old. We graduated everybody off a playoff team last year. You will not win a game, you know, coming into this. And I remember telling Steve Stanger, our superintendent at the time, you know, we will win a game, you know, and naive, 25 years old. And we did win that one game, probably without some eligibility and some of the other stuff that we had to deal with back then. Probably win three games, you know, may maybe. But I felt like we had made progress. Kids, I got hired in June. So we had no off-season, and you know me. I mean, that's what we hang our hat on. So I had nothing. So even after the first year, I thought we really made progress, but we've been in this system for 14 months where A&M at the time and St. Teresa were the teams to, to, to beat. Their kids have been at it for five years like, you know, like our kids are now, you know. Oh, yeah. So you're not making up that ground. But we made up a lot of ground on the, on the bottom end of those teams. So we go 4-5. and five. We're 4-4 four and four playing in our Week 9 game. Uh, you know, with a chance to go to the playoffs, we don't win and we go four, four and five. But uh, uh, felt like we're on the on the right right path. And um, all of my freshmen that year, which were like Drew McCool, uh, Leonard Parks, which did stick it out, but Drew McCool, Andrew Bruce, they all started varsity basketball as sophomores. So coming into their sophomore football season, it was like hey, I'm not sure that that's for me. So about half of that class that we were building around and, and had been in the program doesn't come out. So And, and they're, most of them are two-way starters. But they're sophomores, I get it, and basketball you know, was their thing at the time. Anyway, we go backwards and go to one and eight. That's probably the one that bothered me the most because I felt like my year one went about the way year one should. I felt like year two went about, you know, hey, we're a ball bouncing the wrong way from making the playoffs in year two. Then year three, we definitely took a step backwards. But now that I look at it, it was more of we just didn't get the kids out. And that's when I learned you know, it don't matter how much I know or don't know. You know, Jimmy's and Joe's make a lot better than X's and O's. And uh, we were able to. Uh, at that time, you know, I'm not, I'm young, we're not begging anybody to play football after, you know, those years, hey, this, 
town needs you, school needs you, I need you, and uh, those kids bought in, came back out. But because they hadn't played as sophomores, you know, they played freshman football, and now they're throwing to varsity uh, football. We're still 4-4 four and four going into the last game. We lose again and don't make the playoffs, and we go 4-5. Four, four and five. But again, we're back on that track right where yeah. I thought they should have been. And the next year we go to the semifinals, and I haven't had to beg a whole lot of kids to come back out for football uh, <laughs> since then. And those same, you know, Drew McCool's the first team All-Stater. He'd be the first to tell you I play basketball with him every Sunday night now. Man, I, you know, for, you know, it, it just is what it is. He was a six-foot kid that wanted to go play college basketball, and it's like there's a million of those, but yeah. there's not. So he's an All-State football player. He's not even an All-State, you know, basketball player. And he, and he did. He went to Parkland and played basketball and found out you could still play football, and those kids, you know, that trickles down. Our kids, you know, our best athletes at that time definitely were all playing all the sports. And, and since then, we haven't really looked look back and our numbers have been I mean that was back my first year we started with 37 and finished with 26 and we didn't miss a game so that was freshman JV varsity I had kids starting or playing a lot in all three games of the week something I prided myself on we don't take days off we don't you know quit and some of those kids ended up being great leaders it didn't really work out in their careers because they might have been a sophomore like a drew sullivan at the time but then i had reed sullivan followed right behind that captain in three years started for us bo sullivan right behind that goes on and plays at the u of i so those kids set the example even though it didn't pay off in wins and losses the ones that bought in when i got here and they were sophomores even though it didn't really pay off they still set that example that if you follow this process that he's going to tell you it will eventually work and obviously it helps a lot when it actually does work I mean when it pays off I mean that semi-final run um, in 2004 was probably still the most fun I've had in coaching and I've won you know like a couple of titles and, and been there a few times and uh, that that was probably the most rewarding nobody expected it our kids uh, the town, uh, and, and honestly, our coaching staff thought we were going to be pretty good, but I think we would have been naive to even say. I remember going, like, we go to games now, and it's like, all right, take your trade tape. You know, we're ready to trade film from week one of the playoffs all the way through to the state championship. Here's when we want the game. Here's the bus trip. You know, if we have to stay all night, here's the routine. At that time, it's Holy cow, we just won. Who do we play next week? You know, it's like, I don't know. Do you remember the other, you know, who was playing so that we knew who we were playing? Now a kid looks at a bracket when this starts and like, all right, second round we'll play here and the third round we'll play here. And I don't know that that's necessarily always a good good thing, but it is, uh, that was so much fun in 2004 that we had no clue, uh, no clue of what was going on. So Now, um, you guys, uh, now, I mean, you were a football player in high school, but you yep. know, coming out, but that wasn't it wasn't necessarily your best sport. You were baseball, correct? And, and I mean, did you? When did you kind of start saying, "I want to be a football coach in high school"? When did that kind of become like your thing? Well, I was a three-sport athlete uh, all the way, all the way up, and um, football. I graduated from Macon High School, and football was king when I was in school. I mean, that's what we were known for. I mean, the Macon Ironmen were good. The, you know, we were second state when I was an eighth grader. I mean, it was good football. We were the conference champ, the Meridian Conference every year I was in high school. When I was a senior, we were the number one rated team in Class 1A. I mean, so it was a great experience. And that's what I, I mean, even then I knew I wanted to be a 
football guy. I mean, that's what I believed in, my values, all of that. I was a much better baseball player than I ever was a football player and probably a better basketball player than I ever was a football player. But that being said, I would play on most small school teams, you know, now find my way in, but you're never going to talk about me like you do, you know, name any kid that I've had in the last, I've had 27 All-State kids in the last 10 years. I was half the player of any of those. I was a uh, very average uh, athlete, but I did have, uh, you know, I played hard. I still play hard. Our kids laugh now. You know, I'm, I'm competitive <laughs> in anything we do. What, what position? I, I try. I was a tight end and a linebacker uh, for Tony Klein, which was my yeah, longtime right, yeah. uh, defensive coordinator. And, it, and I played with Brad Kirby, which was the uh, two-time Macon County Player of the Year. So our job was to block for Brad and won't <laughs> let him do his thing. And to, if Tony threw the ball four times a game, it was like a big like day for us. So uh, yeah, I think I had seven catches, and uh, you know, uh, so I laugh now. You know, to him, I'm like, we have kids that have more catches than this. I mean, the Morris kid for us had 14 tackle or 14 catches last week. So uh, and, and I'm talking leading our team in receiving was seven receptions on the year so uh um but anyway my, not that my basketball experience was bad or my uh, yeah, the good thing about all school records uh i graduated from macon it became meridian two years after me so every school record that i hold in macon is a lifetime record because uh so so that was great so like i hold most uh pitching wins uh our team had the most wins in school history uh, in basketball, I've got most three-pointer. All my teammates would tell you it's because you shot more than everybody else. But uh, uh, most three-pointers in a game, in a career, in a you know season, all those, along with all the attempts that go along with that. But then two years later, they all came by. So the Swigert boys and all the kids that they've had since are way better basketball players than I ever thought about being. Well, they don't hold but they do not hold those records. Uh, so. Uh, but, you know, football was always my my thing. It was a team. I am a team guy. I was. Uh, then also it was all about our teams being successful, and our basketball teams were not very successful. My baseball te- our baseball teams were pretty successful. But a successful baseball season has 50 fans, you know, uh, at it, and that's like Who's the extent. Coach? Paul Carlton, he was my basketball and my uh, okay. baseball coach at, at the time. So. Uh, Paul was the Macon County Baseball Coach of the Year, I know, when I was a senior because we broke the school record and wins. And so it was a good experience, but not near what it was. And we were so small, I dr- we dressed as a freshman, not that because I was any good. I was 5'2", 110 pounds. But um, every kid dressed. So you're part of that. So I was part of those playoff run, you know, uh, you know, and, like, this is awesome. Every Everybody's here. So a lot of those ideas were ideas that I even had back then, like, hey, when I'm running my own gig, you know, we're going to, you know, we have breakfast in the mornings, you know, all that stuff's taken from my local hometown, the mom's fetus, you know, the signs. I mean, we had all of that even in 1988 to 92, and uh, so Tony was a great role model. Uh, to me, I think a lot of people have heard my background story. Definitely people from my hometown have, you know, Tony, uh, my coaches were my you know, father figures that, uh, you know, I, d- I didn't want to let down. I was an honorary kid, was in, a, you know, my share of trouble for sure uh, there. Uh, fortunately, school was always easy for me, so I didn't have to really focus a whole lot there. And, uh, um, yeah, it all worked out. But Tony was a big influence. Uh, my football um, team was a big part of who I was, so I knew from a long time ago. But then when I got hired at Sullivan, 
I was football, basketball, and baseball coach, and it was I became the head baseball coach, and it was like still not what I wanted. Moreau's, so I was the head baseball coach when I left Sullivan, but then still left here to become a head football coach. So it wasn't like those opportunities were. I just feel like a football town can change an entire town. I don't know. I mean, T-Town's going to tell you basketball does the same thing, and they probably do. I didn't grow up with that. So basketball was kind of our, you know, uh, uh, what we did in the winter. Um, so I'm not saying it has to be football. For me, my experience was football. I've, I think I've helped translate that to, you know, Murrow. I would definitely say that, you know, our, our community supports it. Definitely. When I, I first got my experience with Moroa when I was covering DMAC two years ago, and DMAC kind of turned into this crazy, I mean, DMAC is a good tradition, but the town was exactly like I see Moroa now every time I drive through it. It's just signs here, signs here, people there. What does that do to a town when you guys are doing I mean, you've mentioned that the town kind of rallies around, but what do you see that you're like, Wow, I did not expect this. I did not expect the town to do this for. I mean, just things like I, I drove my wife and I went to eat at Applebee's last night, and I'm driving back, and there's these Beat Williamsville signs coming all the <laughs> way up the highway, and it's like, I mean, so somebody, and I don't honestly know who, but like that's <laughs> a lot of work because that's one time a year sign. Like it's another thing to say, small town, big dreams, you know, morale, <laughs> football tradition, because it's going up again next year, next year, <laughs> next year, and it's like, and they're not easy. I mean, I know people take that for granted, but the ground's rock hard. I mean, somebody is that passionate about it, and so I love that ab about it. Um, and when I say it does transform a small town, I mean, I think in our town, if you're not at the football game on Friday night, even if you're not a football fan, then you aren't really experiencing small town life. I mean, there are plenty of high school kids that are at that game that don't know if we won or lost probably <laughs> by the time it's done, but it's still the place to be. So, uh, and I think our whole town's like that, and I love that about it. I've had a lot of people ask, you know, why haven't you moved on? I mean, I'm a small town kid. This is what I do. I mean. I, I'm living my dream. I mean, this is what I wanted to do. So there have been calls, you know, from those bigger schools. I'm not a suburbs guy. I'm not a big city guy because you're not, in my opinion, and, and it could be different, but I'm not transforming Bloomington normal into a football community, you know. I mean, you might have your little section. They've had great success, and that's what they do. But, I mean, it's not like there are people, I'm sure, there that, don't know what their record is in their football team. I don't care who you talk to here. They're <laughs> going to be able to tell you what we have done, you know, or, or not done. Could be totally wrong on that because I've never left the small town life either. So that's all I know. No, that makes sense. Yeah, like you said, I mean, and there's there's a bunch of schools there, you know, and, and so yeah, not everybody's going to get behind that one school like you have here. Correct. There's they're going to have what four public high schools that are all going to have two thousand students. You just hope you rally those two thousand students <laughs> and their families around, and you, and you've got a, a full uh, game. And like I said, they're a small fish compared to drive to in Chicago. It's every two miles. There's a new uh, you know school, new town, and uh, you know I think the Phillips uh, has done a good job. So I mean it can be done. You know Springfield's obviously a big town, and there are team teams that you know, rally around it. But even our best teams in, in Decatur, you know, it's just not the same. I mean, MacArthur's on a pretty good run right now, and, and uh, uh, Eisenhower had, you know, previously these last couple of years yeah. have been really, really good for them. And uh, 
it, there's an uptick about that. I, I mean, I try and root for those teams as much, much as I can, but it's just different there. You know, you've got the two high schools, and then you've got the you know the Catholic school uh, there, and then you got LSA. You know, and so you've split that you know into into four you know big factions. You're not going to split Morrell or, or Forsyth. You know, <laughs> yeah. so. Do you guys miss playing St. Teresa? I mean, is that something you miss? Absolutely. Uh, I know I, I miss it. <laughs> yes, I think it should be a game every year. You know, there's a lot of talk, you know, this year. Hopefully, you know, both of us sitting 3-0. and uh, You should both make the playoffs at, at this point, so then we've got both got to take care of business. But it would be a great environment. If that was guaranteed, the playoffs is always the – I'd rather always only play a team once, you know. Uh, so if, if I was always going to get to play them in the playoffs, that, that would be the way to go. But – Obviously, you can't guarantee those in the way matchups go. So, I, I do wish we played them. Um, I don't think, like, when the league bloke, broke up, I think they, you know, would have preferred to play us. We signed on and played each other yeah, even when we, we weren't. So, I think that, you know, I think that's side scene on both communities. But it just doesn't work anymore. <clears throat> Mainly with us. We joined the Sangamo, so there was no other option. Or I assume they would have continued to play us, I mean, they're playing what Tri Valley, and I don't even remember who else they. Yeah. I mean, Barney. they would have definitely played us uh, for sure. But you know, then we didn't have the opportunity. But as soon as we had an opportunity to get in a closed league, because uh, it should have showed you some of the schools that were reaching out to play me. I mean, we were yeah, the state's pretty big, and we would have traveled it all so, uh, to to get on because in in that league over there, we were six teams. That's five games. I was searching for four, yeah, and we would have literally hit every corner in Illinois, and maybe some that weren't in L- Illinois. And so when we had the opportunity to have a close football schedule, we had to jump on it. Yeah. So and I felt terrible about the Ocaw because we were. You know, us and, and Monticello and Unity, you know, had coaxed these other yeah. guys in, and then Moreau is the one that lets them down. So I felt terrible, but I honestly think everybody understood. It's like, yeah. here, I mean, I'm, seriously, I've got Joliet Catholic. Hey, we're open in week seven, and it's like, <laughs> I have 300 kids in this high school, you know. Uh, I'm sure you are open. Uh, uh, so that was not going to work out, you know, for us. As soon as that opportunity opened up, we had to take it. It was what's best for our kids. So now, when was the last time you guys played Saint T in the playoffs? It was, it was that it was that early stretch when you guys first got good. Was it? Was it? Yeah. Uh, probably two thousand five in the playoffs. That was the last yep. Time. Okay. Yep. Um, and that and was they two beat years us. In a row, it was right? up here. Yeah, yeah it was back to back years, and it would have that that streak would have continued, and it would have been crazy rivalry uh, by then. But uh, the, multiplier the multiplier came yeah. in, into effect right after that, and it held them up until whatever year they dropped to 1A and then went. And then um, then they went to state, so they would have went back to 3, which was this past season. Yeah. And then now their numbers are so down that they've dropped back into 2A. So it's not really anything that we could right, have controlled. Yeah. Uh, it's just the way it's worked out. So They told me about that rivalry and just what it was. And is that the best rivalry? Obviously it sounds like it's the best that you've experienced, but why? Like what it's not that bad of a drive and just passionate fans on both. What makes that so good? I think there are a few reasons. Uh passionate fans on both sides for sure. The kids grow up I mean literally I I don't know how many football players that live in Forsyth that go to Saint Teresa, but I mean I bet they have twenty kids on their squad that live in our neighborhood. So that is going to uh, you know, be a big part of it because Forsyth there's a lot of people that live in Forsyth that that 
play football at St. Teresa. I think that adds to the rivalry. You've got some great fans like Mark McLeod that, you know, at that time when you're talking about, I mean, they're flying planes over the top of the uh, field. I mean, it was, you know, that's what it was all about. Our kids felt like they were superstars. Um, you know, it's like ESPN or Game of the Week or any of those things at a much smaller level. But, you know, when you're getting dealt with all of that stuff, it seems like the biggest, greatest. I mean, those are great experiences for our kids, and we were only one and one against them in the playoffs. So we, uh, you know, actually uh, lost that second game. And I tell people all the time, there's no doubt what motivated our kids in 2006 to, you know, I would argue one of the best 2A football teams ever. Uh, but those kids losing in the second round when they were juniors, because they probably weren't ready to win when they were juniors, um, but they were better than a second-round team. I mean, yeah. we ran into a, uh, a huge rivalry game, and we had already pounded them. I mean, we were up 30 to nothing at half the first time that, that we played them. So Scott Coach Davis did a great job, totally switched gears. I mean, blitzed us every down, didn't let look. Luke get comfortable, which is totally not him, you know, I mean, he didn't, he doesn't blitz at all, or didn't at the time, and so, he did a great job coaching him, I mean, it was a war, we had the ball in the lead with five minutes to go, and then drove down to about the 25 yard line, and we had a snap go over Luke's head, and we lost like 30 yards, and had to punt it away to him, and we were only up five, four, whatever it was, and they had five and a half minutes, and we could not stop Sean Dunning, and he went right down the field and scored, and that was the ball game, but so it was a great game. Well, there's uh, some big names in that one. Yes, so there were some big ones. So. so that exists, right, the not ready to win? I mean, you hear it all the time, especially at the upper levels, like this team's not ready to win yet, but you've experienced that here. Like, Did you believe in it before you really saw it firsthand? I did, I did. I, I told you about my early, you know, that group that was 4-5 and five the second time, so we went 1-8, and 4-5, and five, and then 1-8. and eight. I felt like if they'd have played when they were sophomores and had that year in, we maybe go five and four. We'd have probably definitely went four and five, and then we would have won when they were juniors. I'm not saying we would go to the semifinals, but we'd have made the playoffs when they were juniors. Their senior year, we start off the year and we lose to Argenna, which is Cordestit, best team I've ever seen Argenna have, and then we have. Uh, St. Teresa, which is the Godfrey boys, so uh, David Godfrey was the tailback, and they beat us pretty good, like 36-17 to 17, um, in that game. So we're 0-2, and everybody's thinking, oh my gosh, what is, you know, this group was supposed to be our group, and we went to Clinton, probably the best team Clinton's ever had. A kid named J.W. Shearing was a quarterback. He went to ISU to play linebacker. Uh, the Sneed boy, which Sneed. goes on to uh, Central Michigan and starts for four years there. Um and, and we took, Shane Conway was a sophomore, took the opening kick for a touchdown. We picked Shearing Kid, returned it for a pick. Drew McCool did on the first play of the game. It's 14 to nothing us. And from that point on, that team never looked, looked back. You know, we won six straight, and uh, we played uh, Shelbyville in, in week nine. And Shelbyville also went to the semifinals that year. Even though we were in the same league, at that time, the state was split into quads. They were in the opposite quad, and due to a coin flip, it was just like who plays who, and you flip a coin. And St. Teresa, I mean St. Teresa, Shelbyville goes to Carthage, and Sterling Newman Central Catholic comes here in the um, semis instead of us in Shelbyville playing, which yeah. would have been a war. They beat us by an extra point, so uh, you know in in that game, and uh, we had a touchdown called back late, and. Uh, um, I mean, that would have been a great game 
uh, us and Newman ended up being a great game. That was fourteen to seven, and uh, but Newman was way better than us, and, uh, and then Newman went on and won the state championship, beat Carthage the next next uh, week, and at that point, I think our kids saw. You know, we are this this close. You know, we are this this close, and that, and then we were kind of over the hump. As a, you know, so you guys, like you said, you struggled the first few years. You got good. How have things changed? You know, as the program, you know, gone along since. Then? I mean, have you have you had to adjust even since like you kind of got established? Have you had to make further adjustments as a coach? The, the more stuff that we adjust now is like. Um, personnel scheme like all right we have you know three years ago when we had jack at quarterback we had and there's not a knock on those other guys they would tell you probably the least explosive group of receivers that we've had here in 10 15 years they were great kids they worked hard they did what they were supposed to but none of them had ever played until they were seniors on the varsity team well jack had been playing for three years already at that time uh, so kids like Sam Stogsdale and David Whitaker and those guys. But then my sophomores were Logan Alsop, Jackson Nelson. So we had some explosive kids. They just hadn't, you know, been through, didn't know what it t- took to win. You know, that year we came out and we ran Jack 30 times a game. We still lined up in the gun, but most of the time we had two fullbacks, you know, uh, in the game. So we were in the bone. So that was all, like, system-wise because we are going to adjust to what gives us the best chance to win and I know that seems so simple like I said that statement and you would go well yeah why, why would you not but I think a lot of coaches get so hung up like I'm a pro I team or I'm a wing T team or I'm a, if that unless you get to pick your kids I don't know how you are in anything like Josh Jones is a spread coach I want to run and pass but I have no idea what that will actually line up to every year until I get my hands on those kids when they're coming in. All right, we're going to be a run-dominant team, or I have a stud at tailback, or whatever it happens to be. And I think we do a good job. I know John Kidd, our defensive coordinator, we're loaded with defensive linemen right now. So we right now we're rotating them and only playing a three-man front. But next week, or when we play Athens, it might be, we start all five of those kids in there doing, so I think we do a really good job of adjusting to our kids rather than our system. I think people laugh, you know, our two-minute offense when I first started here is our offense now, you know. (laughs) It would have been a disaster if we would have made that our offense when I started, even though I'm not a huge wing T guy. The last thing we wanted to do was throw in three incomplete passes, use 25 seconds off the clock, and then, you know, uh, because that's what would have happened if we were doing that. Now we view throwing the balls just as easy as, you know, running the ball and just assuming you catch it. Uh, which we usually have kids that are able to, then the clock's still running and it's not, uh, you know, a difference. So um, I think we do a great job of adjusting to our personnel. Uh, The other big change is our kids, like at the beginning it was me holding these kids to this standard. Like you need to lift three days a week. We run two days a week. That happens or 49 weeks, I used to say 50, but it's 49 weeks now uh, of, of the year. And that's what it takes to win. Well, at the beginning, it was me trying to tell you to buy into that, and I really hope that you would, you know, but there was no proof. Now our kids pretty much hold them to that standard, and I I won't say every kid, but 95% of our kids buy into that system. There are a few athletic freaks that come through here that 
haven't been held to the same standard, and they're they're the kids that is just you know God touched them and they uh, and, and it comes easy for them. Um, if that's all we were relying on, we wouldn't be on the streak that we are in right now. It'd be great if they all just rolled through, but I mean I'm talking a half a dozen kids in the last 15 years that have not put out the effort that we expect of them in the weight room and then can still show up. And we're giving the kid in the weight room his every opportunity to beat him out, but it's just like you just don't have what this kid does. And, you know, that's part of life too. You know, it's not always fair and it's not always in our kids. So they hold themselves to that standard and our kids understand that that's that's part of the gig. I mean, this doesn't guarantee me anything except a chance. And uh, our kids buy into that, and uh, I, th- I think most importantly for us is that's a that's a life lesson that uh, that they get to learn. How, um, how long into your coaching career did it take for you to see your kids take that torch themselves and let you kind of step back? That '06 group did a great job after they lost in '05 of kind of setting the bar up, and at that time is when we became a five day a week. So I used to be, when I first started out, you had three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Found out after the first year, Fridays are a bad day when you're trying to convince kids, I'm talking in the off season, to yeah. try and come in and work hard because it's not. So, you know, dumb, you know, all right, I can learn that lesson. Weights are now Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know. Attendance got better. It's like, you know, those are something where my first year I'm like, you better be there on Friday, Con, in December, or, uh, you know, you're not playing in August. It's like, good. I'm, I'm, you, you know, I'm not even planning on playing, so uh, quit yelling at me all the time, you know. So now it is, you know, we went to Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. That group then, came, and we've always trained speed. Our first 30 minutes are some speed activity, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. Still is. But then on Tuesdays and Fridays, and so that's 3 to 4.30, but on Tuesdays and Fridays, our kids are here for from 3 to 3.30, and it's a just a speed exercise. Most kids don't mind hanging out till 3.30 on a Friday, even though it is. So that group turned it into a five-day-a-week. You know, we can we need extra. We lost last year, and they set that bar there, and they held their own kids accountable. The best part about that group is then that's the stand. Like, our kids couldn't tell you that story that I just told you. That, like, it's five days a week, and if you don't go, <laughs> if you don't go, he doesn't even yell at you. Lane Olemeyer does, and that's even worse than, uh, you know, uh, him. So uh, you might as well just show up or not play, either one. And honestly, we've lost kids that probably would help the program. Like, we can't just cut every kid that doesn't show. He doesn't have an excuse, you know, and, and that's the best part of the, the leadership. Um, and then, like I said, there's always a few kids that are just, um, you know, have it. Playing so, middle linebacker at Iowa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he was a really hard worker, but not as much in the weight room. I mean, Jack was always nursing something when he played here because he was always a physical kid, and he always, I mean, he had back issue, he had a neck issue, he gets over there, he's got an elbow issue, and uh, he played, I mean, Jack played 54 games in high school. Uh so, I mean, he played out of a possible 56, Jack played in 54 of them. There can't be very many people no. ever in any state that have played more high school football <laughs> than that that kid. So, Again, it comes to my mind that it would fit that it would be Wyatt Washburn. Who, Perfect who, who, example. Yeah, who looked like, you know, uh, that's before your time here, Joey, he looked like a, 
uh, somebody off the cast of that '70s show or something. I mean, yes. long hair, skinny, but man, <laughs> he was just gifted. But ran a four five forty and caught everything. We, he was Megan County Football Player of the Year, and I guarantee you that pin is bigger than him still now today. Uh, um, but he's a kid, you know. That would be a perfect example. He's like, I'm a four year starter in basketball. Just be happy if I show up in August yeah. and I'll catch all these balls and make the Stills Reedy kid look really good for you, you know. Uh, so make sure Ford's in the weight room all the time yeah. so that he blocks for Stills Reedy and then I'll be open and you get me the ball and it'll all still work out. Again, I can't have a team full of them. I mean, if we had 50 Wyatt Washburns, We'd be in trouble because nobody's blocking on the on yeah, the field, yeah. you know. Uh, so Austin Peebles, I mean, I could name uh, a few. Drew Hicks, a really good player for us right now. Had a couple touchdowns last week. He plays for the Decatur Commodores. We saw him three out of twenty-five times this summer. He knows you got. He didn't start in week one. You will not come in as a starter. Somebody else is going to get a chance, but no one else here runs a four-five forty and has glue, you know. And. Uh, um, yeah. It is what it is. I mean, I'd love to say my own kid is a sophomore that lives and does everything, you know, we, we tell him. It's like, well, you can't do that, though. So uh, <laughs> hopefully you can when you're, you know, a junior and a, a senior. But it is, you know, what it is. So that's not to pick on Drew. I mean, he is going to be a big-time playmaker for us over the over the next two years. But, you know, our other kids have to see it, too. Yeah. Can any of you outrun him? No. Okay, so that, that is the gig. It's funny, we, we always seem to talk to coaches about coaching their kids, but it's, with you, I just really do find it fascinating because, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, you just want to play your kid, right? I mean, it, it has to be it has to be a tough thing. I mean, what is that like for you? Well, uh, Wade's obviously a pretty talented kid. Uh, he's really smart. Um he uh, and has some athletic ability, and he's grown up around it, and it matters to him. I mean, that you know, probably the most kid that needed the most consoling on all of these losses in the state championship games have been him. And some of those, he's in third grade. Last year, he was part of it as a ninth grader. But I mean, he he lives it, breathes it. Um, but that being said, he's playing behind a pretty special kid, and uh, uh, Wade would play quarterback on a lot of teams that we have. Uh, he played quarterback on every team that we've played so far this year as a, as a sophomore. So he's got to take consolation in that um, and, and be prepared when it's your chance. You never know what's going to happen. He's trying to work his way into being able to play some safety for us. He's on all our special teams. Uh, he's spent a lot of time working on his hands. He knows where he stands. Um, we try, and, and I mean, honestly, we've done a pretty good job. I mean, what happens here, I'm really hard on my quarterbacks, and you can imagine then when the quarterback is your kid, like, he's got a bad deal. I mean, our kids, are, oh, I'm guaranteeing, they're like, God, thank God I'm not Wade Joseph, you know? Because <laughs> I think he's bad on me, but that is just, uh, but when we leave here, we're, we're father, son, we went to the Iowa game last week, cheered Jack on. I don't think we mentioned football, you know, very often at all. Luke Hockaday's old roommate was Chase Gurning. Uh, so we get up there, and he's their special teams and defensive line coach at Williamsville, and he was on that team. We beat 55 to nothing, you know, back yeah. then. So, all right, what's the game plan? You know, so he's over there with Wade and uh, Ben Gilbert, you know, the two kids that I've taken up there with me to see that game. And, and so that part is still still fine for us. 
he's got a driver's license now and a girlfriend and in high school he's not going to talk to his dad and definitely not going to talk to me anymore so his mom keeps me up to date sometimes <laughs> on, some, on stuff i need to know that's important but we leave it there i'm i'm hard on our number one quarterback i'm hard on our number three quarterback and uh wade's a falls in between that and I'm probably harder on him than I don't know I'm pretty hard on Ian I'm just really hard on Tyler Ray so uh you know I don't I don't think he feels like he's he's singled out for him I can get frustrated with him that I know that he is better sometime you know you've you've been running this play since you were literally in fourth grade like how do you not make this read you know so that's probably a little harder on him than the other kids like Ian's like hey, I played tailback until I was an eighth grader you know uh, so uh, you were grooming me as a tailback do you remember that you know and uh, so this was pretty new to, to me also so because the actual quarterback in our, our class uh, the kid that started his name was Drew Rudzinski he plays for Tri-Valley now so uh, family moved up there and Ian was the tailback so ian and gavin clifton were our tailbacks and the kylie's kylie's, family? Uh, Kylie, kylie's little brother uh okay. so he's gonna be a big tall kid and has a whip he's getting recruited all over by baseball right now he's actually quit playing football because i don't know if it's why but tri valley's gonna throw three times a game i mean this sure, kid yeah. would have thrown it 50 times a game for us uh <laughs> you know uh and, and ian was obviously a much better athlete than this uh than this kid was but yeah, he hurt basketball, baseball, football, everything. Our, our junior class really got hit hard by. For every kid that we've had move in here, I've had a kid equally as good, if not better, move out of here because our um, our clientele is cat and ADM executives, and that is a unstable situation, and so it just. The kid that would be a senior right now starts at Briarcrest uh, in Tennessee, which is where Michael Orr went. So the blind side, Briarcrest, yeah, that's yeah. cool. Our quarterback through the sixth grade starts at Briarcrest now at quarterback and uh, in, in this class. So um, you know, yeah, and, and, and you know that that, that the war, the year where the, the Mount Zion kids transferred in, and that's been a long time ago now. Yep. You, you guys, it just seems like that's does that bother you? That's still like. Not to everybody, but I think there are still people who... Oh, it doesn't bother me, but uh, I think a lot of people would love to hear that it does bother me. (laughs) It does not bother me. I can go to sleep really well at night knowing... Literally, when these kids show up, I can tell you an eye test pretty fast, you know, quickly. Hey, this kid might be a player, but they show up, they do illegally, they've met with our AD, they've met with our principal, they come see me, and if we get some, I mean, Gary Scott, it didn't take a rocket scientist to go, I think this kid has a chance to help us. Um, so I get it, I get it, but I'm telling you, for every kid that we've had like that, I've lost uh, just as equally as good. We have a kid named Keegan Smith, which is Eric Smith's son that's in our junior class. Eric, the starting center at Finley that was 6'6 and 260, went on to play at Milliken, free agent tryouts in the NFL. His boy's probably 6'6, 190 pounds right now. I'm not sure if the Morris kid would even be playing in front of him. He probably would because the Morris kid wants to be a football player. But this kid would be on our field somewhere starting at a school in Michigan right now, and he left last year. You know, I mean, we lose. Dad was a cat guy, you know, and there, there they go. So it happens. It's part of life. So when I get one back, I don't feel bad about it. Uh, the ones that have uh, transferred from the area, those are the toughest ones because when we – 
when we lose a kid, they move out of state, out of mind, out of everything. Yeah. And when they come in, it's like, well, he was only playing the next town over. And then you hear all the stuff, you know, the address or the P.O. box or all that. Every kid we've ever had, we've turned in so much documentation to the, when I was the AD, I absolutely hated it when we would end up having to do all those things. But we just went ahead and said, we will prove ourselves innocent before you ever even call us guilty so that we don't have to deal with it. And we never have. They come in, and yeah, that's about as clear as you can possibly do it. I mean, not a private eye. I'm a football coach. So uh, when we get those those kids, it, it has been a blessing. Obviously, it's helped our teams. But like in that same, like when Justin Mikeworth moves in, I lost a kid named Nick Thompson that moved out and and would have been the same kid in our in our program i mean every kid that i've had that that comes in i could name another kid that had left that class so no i never feel bad about it actually we haven't had any in a while so uh you know go ahead find find us a new one so uh, let's get get, get some (laughs) exactly our our junior class had 24 kids in it when they were freshmen and we're down to 15 and and it's like two kids that no longer play football here and everybody else was a move out that's still playing football somewhere else i mean and uh, that hurts so uh yeah, I mean, at the same time, you know, always, nobody's out there feeling sorry for you. <laughs> Don't expect them to. I, I, our, our kids know that I'm not going to feel sorry for them. Definitely nobody else we feel, you know, play is going to feel sorry for them. And it's our job to be better. Like, if we, you know, we focus on us, it's our job to be better. If we're not up to, to stuff, then, then we've got to be better. And that's what we hang our hat on uh, around here. So, regardless of the kids, it's nice when you have really talented ones. Um, but I tell people all the time, if you have five kids in a class that can truly play, so for me, five sophomores, five juniors, five seniors, if I have that, we will win more games than we lose. I'm not saying you win a state championship, because you've got to be really special to do that. But it doesn't take a lot to get five athletes out that are doing the right thing, and that gives you 15 quality football players to take to a game. Now, do I need the practice players, and I need all those? But I'm not saying five Jack Hockadays. I mean, just five kids that are going to give me everything they got that are good hard-nosed football players and we can win with those 15 kids win more than we lose and uh we hang our hat i mean i'll be honest my freshman class right now i have 14 kids out it's the smallest number we've had in probably 10 years a lot of people say i'd love to have 14 but i mean it's a it's our smallest group but they definitely have their five, and I'll let them figure out, you know, which does he count me as part of his five? <laughs> but there's always that kid that grinds it out, sticks it out, and then he's a senior, and you're like, where did Ben Hubbard come from? Like, he's always played, but he was this big, you know, when he, when he started, and but he's always been not afraid, and he's a tough kid, and he, he goes through the system, and uh, then and when he's a senior, you're like, man, this kid's... You know, a pretty good football player. Maybe not a, you know, all-state football player, but, you know, give us enough, and and we have that. So we hang our hat on that five-kid rule that we need five. Fortunately, in some classes, you get a lot more than five, and that's when you have that chance to be special. You know, uh, over the years, I've, I've had a lot of people say to me, you, know, you you root for Moroa. You like Moroa. You know, you, you favor Moroa. And, and I always tell people, look, and I, I that's why I like having this conversation on the team now. I get to go hang out with Josh and have conversations like this. I get to watch a, a, a football team that's throwing it around and, and has athletes and it's fun to watch. Yeah, I like covering Moreau. It, it's fun. <laughs> and, 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 and so, and, and I think that, you know, conversations like this over the years I have, have made 
you know, a lot of fun for me, John. Well, good. I, <laughs> I appreciate the support and the, and the coverage. And, uh, um, I mean, it definitely was never a goal of mine to be hated or not, not liked. <laughs> My job was to make Moroa as good as I could make it. And uh, that's really my driving force. It still is. I'm, I'm 44 years old now instead of that 25-year-old guy that uh, got the job. But nothing has changed for me. I'm still just as motivated to win every time we step on the field. I'm still motivated to make uh, great kids of character and give them something that they can hang their hat on. That If I work really hard... I can accomplish some things, and uh, I hold our kids accountable. I think anybody that actually really does know me w would say that, uh, man, his kids are held to a high standard, and they work really hard to be as, I mean, we work really hard so that you think it looks really <laughs> easy when we go out there. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, yep. Josh. Appreciate it. I appreciate it.